Corinthians 1. As we gather these month by month, I want to share just a, a short time from God's Word and uh, probably be looking at various prayers that are contained in Scripture just to guide our thoughts. I want us to read just Philippians 1 verses 9 to 11. We have an insight here into the prayer life of the Apostle Paul. And he says this, verse 9 of Philippians 1, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So reads God's precious and inspired word. I have um, mentioned this before, probably many times now, however, uh, let me repeat it. I find it very, very interesting and indeed enlightening to look at the prayers of Paul as they are recorded for us in the various letters that he wrote to the various churches. Because as you study these prayers of Paul, inasmuch as I can see, they are prayers in the main that center on the spiritual as opposed to, to the material or physical needs of those to whom he writes. And this short prayer, two verses, is no different at all. It is a prayer for spiritual growth and for spiritual maturity. Now that's not to say, brothers and sisters, that... Um, to pray for the material or the physical is not important. Of course it is. But I have been challenged afresh by how much time we spend actually praying for our own spiritual well-being and actually the spiritual well-being of one another. And I trust, I pray that as the growth groups develop, that will become an integral part of them. And in the verses that we read there, Paul tells them and us what he prays for them. So let's just spend a very short time looking at five things that, that he prays for, for the believers at Philippi. Um, and I'll just do much tonight, like what I usually do on a Thursday, where we'll just be kind of paddling on the shores. Um, but, but you go home and read and dive in a little bit deeper. So don't be put off by the fact that I've said kind of five points, okay? The first thing is this. He prays concerning loving. His prayer opens asking God that their love may abound more and more. And that it may abound more and more in two ways. 
in knowledge and in depth of insight. Paul begins with love because without love, brothers and sisters, we have nothing. And although he doesn't kind of further divine, sorry, define, <laughs> define who the object of the love is, I believe that when we look at the rest of the letter and the context of the whole of the letter, he actually here is speaking not so much about our love for the Lord Jesus, but he is speaking about the love that believers should have for one another. We are to love as we have been loved. But more than that, our love is to abound more and more. It is to grow. It is to increase. The word that Paul uses for abound here carries a meaning of, of overflowing, of kind of wave after wave, of, of, of cascading down like a waterfall. That's the kind of love that we have to have for one another. It's to be more today than it was yesterday. It is to abound in knowledge. That is, it's not to be a blind love. It's, it's, it's an informed love. Because the term depth of insight, as one writer says, refers to kind of moral perception, and that is to know the right action in any given situation. That's how we're to love. Christian love is not blind. It involves both the heart and the mind. And Paul prays that their love will abound more and more. May that be the case for us also. Loving, secondly, he, speak, he, sorry, he prays that they may be discerning. You see, when both of our heart and head are involved in the act of loving, that then we are able to show not just discerning love, but loving discernment. There is, I believe, a great need today for the gift of discernment. To discern, to decipher the difference between good and bad. To know what is best, as Paul prays here. And surely, brothers and sisters, that's what we want for those whom we love. That which is not just good, but that which is best. The discerning that Paul speaks of here may very well relate to the false teaching that he speaks of later on in the letter, particularly in chapter 3. How we need to be discerning today. Not everything that claims to be of God is of God. And we need those who in a loving way, in a winsome way, will show us when we err. Who, who will point out to us when we might be tempted to, to let astray by sweet-sounding words or that which appears to be good. I don't know about you, but I can look back 
over my own Christian walk and life and, and give thanks to God for those who in love, through their discernment, pointed things out to me. Because you see, brothers and sisters, loving someone doesn't mean that you just turn a blind eye to everything. But it means that we want, as Paul prays here, what is truly not just good, I was going to say gooder, but best. Let us seek the best. The best for one another. Then thirdly, Paul speaks of, and I, I think, I'm, yeah, I did. I, Paul speaks of a living. I initially had appearing, but we'll stick with living because you might wonder where I get an appearing from. But, but notice what he says. He says this, that we may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. That day that Paul refers to here is that day when we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. And until that day happens, Paul longs that until then, they, we, will live lives that are pure and blameless. That is, we will be holy. We will act with integrity. It doesn't refer to some kind of... Um, some kind of sinless perfection, that is impossible this side of glory. You know your own heart, you'll, you'll, you'll know fine well how true that is. But how we live, brothers and sisters, really matters. And as Christians, as Christ's ones, we are to live lives that are pure and are blameless. Because you see, one day, we will have to give an account of everything done in the body, whether good or whether bad. We will all appear before the devil, each one of us, Christian and non-Christian. And as we appear before the judgment seat, as believers in Christ, it is not in regards to salvation or justification. That's a done deal when we trust in Christ. But we will have to give an account to what we have done with our lives as Christians. Let us live pure and blameless lives. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. A loving, a discerning, a living. Fourthly, Paul speaks, or prays, sorry, for a filling. Paul prays that they may be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To be filled with something means there is no more room for anything else. You know, once you've had a really, really good dinner, you just have no room or anything else. If you're filled, there is no room for anything else. And Paul here, if you like, is praying that, that these believers might be filled and they might be fruitful. That's his prayer. And that can only come 
through Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15, I think it was? He says this, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will, he will bear much fruit. Not he might bear much fruit, but he will bear much fruit. I think, I think the problem arises that, that so often, and I speak to my own heart here, so often we try to be fruitful in our own strength. But we can't. We need Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we'll be fruitful. What fruit am I showing? What fruit are you showing? What fruit are we showing forth? What fruit does God look for? Well, there's the fruit of the Spirit. Be showing all these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. There is winning people to Christ. There's the fruit of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name, as Hebrews speaks of. Let us be filled and let us be fruitful. Somebody once said, God is looking for spiritual fruit, not religious nuts. Loving, discerning, living, filling. Finally, you see that Paul prays of praising. What's the main purpose of this prayer? What lies beyond and behind all our loving and all our discerning and all our living and all our filling? What's the use of it all? Where does it all lead to? Well, there it is at the end of verse 11. Because it's the same in everything. It is all for the glory and for the praise of God. See, friends, that's our chief aim. That's our chief aim. To glorify God. And to enjoy Him forever. As John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. How satisfied are you in God? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Samus says, come, let us glorify the Lord together. Paul reminds us, doesn't he, in 1 Corinthians 10, that whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. And, and, and I guess, in the original Greek, it means the same as it does in English. Whatever you do, washing the dishes, doing the ironing, going to shopping, playing Monopoly, do it all. For the glory of God. Paul's prayer for the spiritual growth of believers at Philippi is as relevant, brothers and sisters, for us tonight in Elgin as it was when he first wrote it. This is my prayer. 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, before we go to prayer, let's sing another song. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. We'll stand after introduction and sing this song. Thank you. <laughs>